Welcome to the Overnight Trainer Podcast, where each week we talk about all things related to the world of learning and development, including facilitation, instructional design, sales enablement, and so much more. I'm your host, Sarah Canistra, and I'm an L&D strategist and career coach, and I'm here to take the guesswork out of becoming an L&D professional and show you how to unlock continued success in your learning and development career. I'm on a mission to quickly develop the next generation of L&D leaders who are looking to create meaningful and engaging learning experiences. So, if you're looking to transition into L&D for the first time, have found yourself accidentally in a training position, or are working up the ranks as an L&D professional already, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to another episode of the Overnight Trainer Podcast. This is your first time tuning in. Welcome. So excited that you're here. Uh, If you're an OG, a weekly listener, a part of the crew, thanks for coming back. Always appreciate having you. Um, I'm so excited about today's episode. I feel like I say that every time, but I'm genuinely so excited about every episode. (laughs) Um, And before we dive into it, I do want to say that the doors are officially open to the Overnight Trainer L&D Career Accelerator. So if you have recently entered a new role in the learning and development space, so whether you um, have recently transitioned into L&D for the first time or have recently moved roles inside of L&D and you need additional support, uh, guidance, coaching, mentorship, a crew, (laughs) all of the above, Uh, The mastermind, the group coaching program is for you. So in this career accelerator, it's meant to do just that. Really kickstart and and accelerate your career, launch it off uh, in in your new L&D role. And so we focus on three main pillars. The first is kind of that foundational of really understanding the skill set application. So the transferable skills that you have that got you this incredible role or this promotion or whatever it may be is exactly what's going to make you successful. But we're going to focus on how do I actually apply these in a corporate L&D space. We're then going to look at how to create a unique learning strategy, not only for your organization, but for yourself as well, right? You're unique, your organization's unique. So what works at one organization doesn't work at another. And what works for one L&D professional doesn't work for another. And so a lot of people give out really blanket statements on use this model, do this over here, uh, do this for this type of organization. And it's not that easy. So we're going to spend time really cultivating a unique framework that's unique to you and your organization. And lastly, focus on your growth strategy. So any great L&D professional knows that we have to stay on top of our game. We have to fill our own cup up from a development perspective and really start thinking about you know, what does that next step look like for me? And that may not be, okay, planning my promotion today, although it could be, but it's saying, you know, what, what direction do I want to head in? What do I want to specialize in? You know, how can I focus on my own development so I'm setting myself up for success? So it's on a six-week, I'm sorry, six-month-long program. That would be a lot to do in six weeks. Uh, six-month-long program. We're kicking off November 1st. Seats are incredibly limited. So as any of you know who have been in any of my group coaching programs, I keep these very, very small uh, so I can provide a lot of attention. And this group coaching program is unlike any other. So we will meet three to four times per month and it'll be a mix of hot seat coaching. We get to come with actual challenges you're facing, work through those together with me um, and through the group. Uh, You'll get training from me. So you'll actually get trained on L&D models, theories, applications, skills, all of the above. Uh, And then there'll also be guest coaches. So we'll have guest coaches come who are specialized in different areas inside of learning and development to help coach and train and develop you on that as well. Uh, So there's that. We, of course, have our incredible group. Uh, You'll have a private LinkedIn group just for uh, members only of this group coaching program. And lastly, really focus on that self-development map. So I'm going to give you a framework and tools to create that. Make sure you're focusing on your own self-development. And you also get a one-on-one coaching session with me all about that. So super pumped about that. I mentioned this in last week's episode 
Uh, but if you use the code podcast uh, when you check out for this program, you get $1,000 off. So definitely snatch that up. Uh, if you're interested in the program and registering for it, go to www.theovernighttrainer.com slash work dash with dash me. Um, and if you scroll down to the career accelerator, all the information you need is there and you can sign up. And of course, if you have any questions, y'all know where to find me. Message me on LinkedIn, email me. Uh, we put some time on the calendar to chat about it to see if it's right for you. I am here for you. And I'm excited about this program. We already have a bunch of people who have uh, pre-registered, who've gotten on the wait list, uh, who are ready to rock and roll. So spaces are super limited. Again, if you are interested, if you really want to kickstart your L&D career, have that support. Right, we get into it and I hear it all the time. Well, now what? Right? Well, that is answered for you. Now what is coming and joining our LD Career Accelerator? So see you in there. All right, on to today's episode. I'm a career coach, as you all know. <laughs> um, and I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I have not had a recruiter on the show. And I think it's really, really important to look at kind of all sides of the spectrum when it comes to this whole process of applying for jobs or applying for new jobs or promotions or you know looking out looking at what else is out there and you know there is a lot of hate out there on recruiters and you know I understand where a lot of it's coming from and so what I wanted to do is I wanted to reach out to the very best recruiter I know so today I'm joined by Ashlyn McIntosh and you'll hear in the beginning of the episode how I crossed paths with Ashlyn, but she is currently the senior talent acquisition partner at Altruist and has over 10 years experience creating relationships with candidates, leaders, stakeholders, really in order to make the best decisions for both the company and the individual. So in addition to having recruited for some of the hottest, best tech companies out there, and Ashlyn's based, based in LA, uh, Ashlyn's you know, super, super passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion, which comes out throughout the show. You hear her passion around mental health. And one thing that I love so much about Ashlyn is that she really shows us how, and she's a living, breathing example of this, of how we can utilize our work and our job, right, to push towards societal benefits. And it's something I really, really admire about her. And so I'm really excited about this episode. I really think you all are going to take a lot away from it and make sure to connect with Ashlyn. She is super open, super awesome to talk to. And yeah, I know you're going to love this episode as much as I loved interviewing Ashlyn. Here we go. Ashlyn, welcome to the Overnight Trainer Podcast. I am, it's been a long time since we talked, but I am so excited that you're here. What's going on? How are you? I'm so excited. I'm good. I'm good. I am just, yeah, living the life. Still nice and hot in LA. Uh, but you're in you're in Texas now. A lot has happened since we last talked. I know a lot's <laughs> happened, and we and we were just were talking about this. But you have two dogs, kind of in, in your area right now, so yeah. we, they may also be the guests on the podcast today, just in case anyone you know wanted their da- daily dose of dogs. Uh, you'll Max either get mine or yourself. Ashlyn's or all four of them. Yeah. <laughs> They're just, they're having their own party at this point. I love it. They're, they're partying with us. So before we start, I want to kind of tell everyone how we met uh, last year, last year, which like seems so crazy and seems like so long ago, but last year I applied for a role with a company that you were working for at the time. And so you were the recruiter uh, that I interacted with and the experience that I had with you as a recruiter really, really it said opened up my eyes to what the experience should be. And it was like easy and open and like, you're super authentic. And the role ended up not coming to fruition organizationally, but I left the experience feeling so positive. And I just, I, I think about that all the time as a career coach, like I encourage people to like, find their Ashlands. Like you, like you work for, work for companies that have, have Ashlands in them, because that's, that's a great sign, you know, uh, of the company and culture and the people, the people team and all of that. So when I thought about bringing someone from the talent acquisition side on the show, realizing, well, 
a lot of people talk a lot of shit about recruiters and stuff like that. And I want to want to want to bring it in and, sh- and share the love and show people how it you know how it can be done and should be done. I knew it had to be you. So before we dive into all the questions that I have and questions that I know my clients have and our listeners have, I'd love for you to tell us like who you are, what's your career journey been, and kind of what what's led you to where you are right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and first of all, I so appreciate that. And it's always my goal to be authentic, but also give people a great experience. And it's, um, it is really reassuring to hear that from someone who's been through the process with me, because there has been a lot of shit talking on recruiters, I think, especially on LinkedIn and TikTok now. And oh, they're coming for y'all on TikTok. Oh, God, they are coming for us on TikTok. (laughs) Gen Z, please, please. (laughs) take your foot off my neck. (laughs) But uh, it's, you know, it's all love. And I think, unfortunately, it comes from so many people having had bad experiences with recruiters. And I, I personally have had bad experiences with recruiters. So I can't even be that dismissive of the frustration. And I know where they're coming from. And, And even with me, as much as I strive to give people the best experience, I've dropped the ball. You know, I've, I've had experiences with candidates that I wish I had performed better in and it hurts people when you don't. And I try to always be cognizant of that. So, um, yeah, happy to, happy to come on and and be able to talk about this stuff, but a little on my background. So I started in finance, uh, geez, 400 years ago at this point, Um, it was in, it was in 2010. And I was really lucky to have someone take a chance on me. I was doing 12 hours a week of data entry. I was a high school dropout and I really didn't know where I was going with my life at that point or what I really wanted for myself even. And luckily I found a path there and I was able to really crush it and and prove myself to people. And I went from doing 12 hours a week of data entry to a full-time client services manager working directly with all of these really high net worth folks. And eventually I started trying to reassess what am I really interested in? What do I wanna do? Do I wanna go back to school? And eventually I did. I went uh, and got my HR management certification at Loyola Marymount University and also did community college over at West LA College. Shout out to West LA. And uh, then I started looking around for HR jobs and just trying to see what was out there after six and a half years of doing more administrative client services work. And I got lucky enough that another financial firm took a chance on me and they were an amazing firm with, with great values and ideals. And worked there for about three years and realized in that time, having done, you know, the people operation side of things and the recruitment side of things and also compliance and things of that nature, I really kind of honed in on the fact that I loved the recruiting aspect. And it was not only what I loved, but what I felt I was good at with other areas of that, especially with uh, you know, financial compliance gets to be really sticky. And that was definitely not my thing. (laughs) And it's like, okay, I think I want to do recruiting full-time. And I also knew, you know, for, for as great as the values were at my firm and for as much as I loved all of those people, I didn't feel like finance was progressive enough for me. I think that particular firm was, but there's so many holdbacks within finance that keep people from serving the types of clients that they want to serve because of minimums and things like that. So um, I decided to get into tech feeling like it would be just a lot more progressive than I was used to. And I think a lot more aligned with, with my values. And also, I mean, I was still in my mid twenties at this point and I wanted to be around some people my age, you know, I wanted to make some yeah, friends. Make some friends. That, that's, <laughs> yeah. I was just talking, um, Jeff, Jeff Lowndes is a, is a friend of mine. He's been on the show before. And uh, yesterday he was doing a talk and one of the things and I attended and one of the things he talked about too, was like people having best friends at work and how important that really is. And yes. you know, from organizationally and it, uh, output and those type of things too. So it's, it, it's no, no coincidence that you have been successful. And in that sense of like, 
wanting to go where you can, can be yourself and have those friends. But I love that that was a important part for you. It absolutely was. And I definitely had my people at that firm. I mean, shout out to Jen, who is still one of my best friends and she's still over there at just doing amazing things. She's, she's an incredible, incredible person, but you know, I, I wanted more and I wanted a larger space and things like that. So I eventually joined my first tech company who hired me on as a full-time recruiter, which also just felt like another instance of having a chance taken on me. I feel like that's been kind of a theme in my career is people being able to see my aptitude and potential and letting me feel that out, which I couldn't appreciate more because I think that there's so many people who don't get that chance and then, uh, you know, the pandemic hit, unfortunately, and things had felt rocky for a little bit where I was at. And I ended up making the transition to the company where you and I met uh, and finally ended up getting poached by my current company, which I really wasn't looking necessarily. I had a recruiting coordinator in common with my now director. And she was like, you guys just have to talk. You guys have to talk. And my current company, Altruist, is a financial company, a financial tech company that is really looking to better the financial landscape and really remove a lot of those minimums and those holdbacks that I mentioned from financial services so that we're able to extend it to everyone and really make intergenerational wealth obtainable for everyone from every stretch of life. And that was really attractive to me because I knew how impactful that could be in the long run and how impactful that could have been for, for me or my family growing up, any of that. And so once I talked to my current director, I, I was going into it thinking that it was just going to be a casual, polite conversation that I had for the sake of oh, my well, oh, that's what you always think. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, immediately after our first call, I'm like, oh my God, I want this. And I don't want to want this as much as I do. Like, I don't want to be disappointed. Um, but luckily it all worked out. And, and now I'm here with some just incredible folks and I could not be happier. This is the best job I've ever had. You know, what's so interesting Two two things that I want to point out that you said, the, fir the first is that this is my third podcast recording of the day. I don't normally do them back to back, but the scheduling wise, it worked out that way. And in every single one today, there's like this really crazy kind of underlying theme. People will hear these weeks and weeks apart, but is that it's like that taking those chances on yourself too, right? Mm -hmm. Of like, you know, you're like, all right, so that was gonna be a conversation. I went in for went in for a little conversation. And, and like what would have happened if you would have said no to that, you know, and like just kind of being open to, okay, I'm starting to feel I want more, what else is out there? So I, I just like kind of love that you talked about that too, of like these kind of different things that popped up in your as opportunities that you, rather than saying, nope, this is my path, or, you know, I think this is what I should do kind of hearing, oh, wait, okay, let me hear this out, or let me see what this, where this takes me. So I think that's great. And then the other piece that really stood out to me was how you talked about people taking a, a chance on you. And, and what I find interesting about that is I wonder if they were taking a chance on you, or if they just saw in you what you didn't see in yourself at that time. You know, so I, I wonder, Ooh. I wonder how, what, what the mix is of that, right. Where it's like, you're thinking all these people are taking a chance on you, but I think the reality is having been on the opposite side of your work, like of people seeing this huge potential in you that maybe in that moment, you're not, you're like, oh, they're taking a chance on me. But they're like, no, no, we're not like, this is no, there's no <laughs> chance. You don't see it, but we, but we do, we know we're not taking a chance. So I, I, I wonder if that's, if there's a little more of that than you think. I mean, I think that that's highly possible. I also tend to think that I'm fairly charming and uh, <laughs> you are <laughs> talk the talk pretty well, but I think more than that, I guess the part where I see people taking a chance on me, I mean, when I was a high school dropout, that right. feels like a chance for many different reasons, but also, you know, 12 hours of data entry, how much of a chance really is that, you know, also, right. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, but after that, I mean, hiring an HR manager who has no formal hands-on experience, that is risky in that way, in like a technical sense. Um, and I think that I fit in with the firm pretty well. So it made, it made sense for them at that point, but it was risky in the sense of, I didn't have any hands-on experience. Right. 
And then I think lastly, I don't think anybody has taken a chance on me. I'll say this much. I don't think anybody's taken a chance on me since I moved into tech. But with moving into tech, I hadn't been... I taught myself HR and recruiting. I didn't have anyone above me that had done any of that. So I was completely self-taught. So I didn't have these metrics that other people had. I didn't have these comparison points that people knew to look for. Like a lot of what I was doing at that point was instinctual. So when I went into interview with my first tech company, I, I think they had to feel my passion and my ethics, because I couldn't speak to the metrics in really any way, shape or form. I knew baseline metrics. I knew how many people I had hired. I knew how much retention I had, but in terms of time to hire and things like that, I didn't even really know to look for it. So I think that they took a, took a risk in that way. But again, like they definitely saw the aptitude and yeah. thought, well, you can learn metrics. That's not that hard. And to be fair, I'm super into metrics now and build out dashboards and things like that. So, you know, I, I think that that was, they had small risks in individual ways, but honestly, any type of risky hire is a risky hire because it costs you money if you have to backfill yeah. that. Person. I, feel, I, I would, so, I would admit that maybe any, any hire could possibly be a risk. I mean, there's, I'm risky. sure there's, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm sure at some point you hire someone who you think is going to be amazing and, and they're not right. So I think yeah. it's, it's, it's a, an interesting perspective there. So I want to dive into something we had already kind of touched on because I want to, I'm going to dive in deep and then bring us back to the shallow end, which is like, all of the hate on recruiters right now, like it's really <laughs> yeah. out there. And I, I personally do not participate in it be, for many reasons. Um, a, because I don't think that's the way like to, I don't think shaming people and canceling people and hating everything. And, you know, I, I talked about this earlier too, like positivity is my number two strength and strength finders. So like, I don't, I don't gear towards that. However, I see a lot of it. I have a lot of coaching clients who feel it also. And I'm constantly talking people off the ledge around it. Where, where do you really think it's like stemming from and what kind of keeps perpetuating this notion that like recruiters are evil right now? I think it's on both sides in a weird way. So I think that we all forget that we're all people to an extent. And I think, especially in this virtual environment where we also haven't really interacted with or like seen people in person for a year, over a year and a half now, there's this lost in translation moment where you have a lot of candidates who are very anxious after we watched the job market last year and after we saw all of those layoffs. So even if they still have a job, there's a level of anxiety. And I know that I, the company I was with when the pandemic started, we got hit with hiring freezes. I know other companies that got hit with hiring freezes later. So I think that people are constantly anxious about, will this fall through at some point? And it's possible, you know, these things happen, but I think that there's such a heightened level of anxiety on the candidate side. And then on the recruiter side, we've been absolutely inundated with the great resignation and everything else that's going on while also still being very human and being in these roles where I don't know too many recruiters who aren't deeply empathetic people. And weirdly, the majority of internal recruiters, I know at least, not agency. Uh, I think agency folks are better at being extroverted because they're salesy more than anything. But most of the internal recruiters I know are actually introverts when it comes down to it. So we spend our days talking to people and draining so much energy out of ourselves and taking on so much of other people's stuff that unfortunately, I think a lot of recruiters have really waning mental health at this point after, and I, I think a lot of HR professionals in general, to be fair, after everything in this past year and a half. And so I do think that there's probably a lot of balls being dropped and it's easier to not have rejection conversations, whether it be via email or phone. And I know that personally, I have had some pretty wild shit said to me in terms of rejecting people. And I know so many people who have gotten to a final round and then never heard anything from the recruiter. And that sucks. But I think that it all really comes down to 
each side forgetting that people are people and it's the same as you know ghosting and dating and stuff where it's like you get so anxious about it that you end up just not actually saying the thing and then it's worse that you didn't say the thing because the thing I'm going to come up with in my head is going to hurt me more than what you would have said and we're all just getting stuck in this loop so to an extent I can't really blame candidates because I know that there's a lot of really bad stuff going on out there. And it's really difficult for me when I see things on LinkedIn to not jump in and be like, hey, it's not everybody, but it's also kind of like, that's not fair. Like you're having your experience. I'm not gonna argue with you about your experience. I hope that you have a better experience next time. I think at at the crux of it all though, you're always going to have to deal with recruiters. And I hope that your experience is better, but please go into it with a good mindset because you're gonna have to talk to them at some point. And if you walk into it being like, oh, all recruiters aren't shit, then you're not gonna have a good time. I, I, I agree. I think one thing it made me think about as you were talking was two things. First, that we're all humans and I drop the balls daily and all my shit that I do, like all the time, right? And sometimes it affects other people. Like that's the reality. Yeah. In any job that you have, there are balls that you may drop that will affect someone else's career, their day, their mood, whatever, right? Like, so I, I think it's remembering that like, yes, you. it sucks that you're on the other end of the ball being dropped. Like it really, really does. And at the same time, it's knowing that, wait, you've dropped a ball before somewhere that has also affected someone else. So I think it's that remembering, like we are all human and it, nothing negates the fact that it sucks. Like nothing negates that yeah. fact, but it is kind of trying to put that in the perspective. And the other thing that comes up for me too is expectations, right? So to your point of, yes, if you get to the final round with a hiring manager, and you never hear anything again, that's really shitty, right? Like yeah. th- there needs to be some, some things put in place there. And you should expect as a candidate to hear one way or another. Yes. And I also think, right, there's some very high expectations of I applied for that job online, didn't mm-hmm. even necessarily care about it, right? Like just kind of like threw, threw my resume in there, didn't write a cover, whatever it may be, right? But like still having an expectation of, I didn't hear something right away, or I applied six months ago and they just got back to me. And I I can see both sides of that. And at the same time, I think there's like that expectations of like, okay, if you're not hearing from them, it's like same thing, similar to dating, right? Like maybe you swiped on someone, you chatted them, they didn't chat you back. Like they, like they chat you back a couple months later. Like you don't have to, you don't have to go on the internet and post their name and say like, (laughs) just so you know, Bob Jones doesn't get back to you for six months, you know, someone else, someone else will. So I think there's also like that, that reset of expectations as far as, and it goes back to you being human, right? Like you're getting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of applications per job. You know, it's like realistically as a, like a human and as a business, you can't have 5,000 recruiters working on teams and stuff. So I think kind of that reset of expectations on both sides you know, is, is also important, but the, the core fact of like, we are humans, we are all humans, yeah. we all drop balls every day, every day, well, all the balls. And I, dropping them. On, on top of that too, just remembering there is very little in life that is personal when you're having interpersonal communications with people it is very rarely about you or me, or it's just, it's never about us. And it really, you never know what's going on the back end with recruitment either. That role could have been open at that moment. And then all of a sudden you're getting mixed messages from a hiring manager and I can't move forward right now, but I also can't really give you an update because it's confidential and all of these different things, all of these moving parts that can kind of delay communication or make communication not seem as awesome. And I think that people don't have a full understanding of how much recruiters are doing on the back end, especially, I can only really speak from an internal standpoint. External is a little bit different, but I also feel like external recruiters are maybe a little bit more notorious for ghosting people. And I don't think that people really know the difference between I agree. internal and external. I agree. Can you, why don't you, can you, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I, I, that's yeah. not on my list of things to, to ask you, but 
Um, I do agree with that. And I, I see a lot of my clients who are like, oh, I've got a reach out, I reach out by a recruiter from like Facebook. And I'm like, mm, let me like, oh, actually, no, that's not Facebook. <laughs> like that's something like yeah. that's an agency that they're hiring. So can you kind of give us a breakdown of what that looks like? Yeah. So that's, it's tough. Um, and, and respect to all of my external recruiters out there. I'm not trying to start war with yeah, you. We love you. We love you. <laughs> Discl- disclaimer. We love you. Yeah. Disclaimer. We're cool. Um, but I do think that there is a thing where, where candidates don't understand the difference and the difference is essentially, so an internal recruiter is someone who works for the company and only works for the company. We don't get paid based on role or head or anything like that. We are, we are a salaried employee, just like you. We only work for this company and typically we're a lot more knowledgeable and bought in because we work for this specific company. Agency recruiters, on the other hand, work externally. They get contracted by companies to hire for specific roles. They also don't review applications and things like that they are solely seeking out candidates and then bringing them to companies. Occasionally, the other thing that happens is a company hasn't even contracted a recruiter, but an external recruiter is trying to put candidates in front of that company so that they will hire them. So the unfortunate thing that happens there, so let's say I have an accounting manager role right now, which I do if anybody's looking. Um, (laughs) Let's say I have an accounting manager role right now. And all of a sudden I have an external recruiter emailing me five resumes. And he says, oh, look at all of these candidates I've got. Would you be interested in working with me? No, I'm not in a space where I can work with external recruiters right now, but thanks. But the other side of that is that that external recruiter already reached out to five candidates and told them that he's hiring for my company and this role. And then I don't know if those candidates feel left in the dust or what happened there because I was never actually working with that person. And I don't even know who those candidates are because typically the external recruiters who are who are doing cold outreach like that will uh, black out any identifying information so that I can't reach out to those candidates on my own. And is that why you see on like on job descriptions, I'll say like no agency recruiters. Is yes. that why you see that on there? Okay. Yeah. I get hit up by probably five agencies a day. So it's a lot. It's, and you know, they have hustle external, external recruiters have hustle, like no other. The newest member of my team actually just came from agency and she's just crushing it because she does have that crazy hustle. But I do think that unfortunately some of those tactics can leave candidates behind and lets them think that they were kind of disgraced by a company that they actually weren't. Um, And it's just a lot of misrepresentation, unfortunately. And the one time I've worked with an agency recruiter, I think they reached out to me about something. It was kind of, it was a similar situation. They're like, oh, I'm going to put your resume in front of the hiring manager and I'll let you know. And then I just never heard from them again. So it happens and it, it happens to everybody, but I think it definitely uh, leads people to think that all recruiters are, are not responsive and that kind of a thing. I think that's a really great differentiation. And I hope it helps people see too, that like, it's, it's not, it, this isn't like a one size fits all situation, right? That like, there could be, you might be getting hit at, at, diff- at different angles and for different things. And it's not, I guess the, the better way is like, it's not, it's not always what you think it is and not always as you, as it seems of, oh, you're not getting back to me. Well, it's no, this, this organization never even knew you existed because this, this third party kind of came in and tried to, to cut, cut the line a little bit or, or, or maybe prop, maybe promise you not, not all of the times promise you that you will get in front of someone and then you don't, and then you blame it on the company, but it really is that right. kind of third party agency because, and correct me if I'm wrong, sometimes they will represent themselves from the company? Unfortunately, yes. And I think that's a really sketchy business tactic. 
I do, I have a great agency that I'm working with in tandem right now. Um, and they're phenomenal. I love them, but it, it's, it feels, uh, it feels few and far between to find really solid agencies who, who hold themselves to really high ethical standards and things like that, because I know that the agency I'm working with, they represent themselves from their own company, but on behalf of our company. And then our agreement is essentially, if you present me a candidate that isn't a fit, it's your responsibility to reject that candidate. And I know that they're rejecting that candidate and having those conversations. They're really good about asking me, you know, why isn't it a fit? Like, how do we recalibrate our search? And that's phenomenal. And that's what should be happening. But unfortunately, I think when you do have external recruiters who are representing themselves from your company that aren't actually from your company and then never getting back to candidates, then it starts to look really bad on us as a company. And again, not all internal recruiters and not all external recruiters, it's, it's not a one size fits all. I've also known internal recruiters that aren't awesome at getting back to people and just hate confrontation, things like that. But it's, it does seem to be like there's a bit of confusion that goes into it, which makes people think they have more of a shot than they did. Yeah. I appreciate you clarifying that. Cause I think, I think that will help a lot of people maybe feel, take it less personal. I think you were saying, right. It's not, not, not very rarely is any of it, if, if any like, is, is personal. And so I think, think having that in mind of like, wait, is this something I probably might've experienced that I had a personal reaction to? And hopefully we'll take that, take that away. So one thing that comes up a lot and I, I really want, and again, I know all this is like your opinion. You're not speaking on behalf of all recruiters. Uh, so we'll just claim yeah. that as well. Like <laughs> Ashton is not the representative <laughs> for every recruiter uh, that's ever existed. But what comes up a lot is people asking if they should reach out to a recruiter on LinkedIn if they see a job posted they're interested in. So what are your thoughts around this? Like what boundaries should people keep in mind? I'm sure people cross boundaries with this all the time, but what are your, what are your kind of initial gut reaction thoughts to, to hitting, hitting the recruiters up on LinkedIn? So again, boundaries and expectations, I think you can do it, but don't necessarily expect them to respond through LinkedIn. I would also highly, highly recommend checking out a recruiter's profile. You can typically tell what side of the house they're on. And by that, I mean tech or business, if you're talking about a tech company, of course. So I end up getting software engineers a lot of the time that will reach out to me. I don't work on those roles. I can't really help you. So I'll redirect it, but at the same time, you kind of just wasted a step and it also looks a little bit like you didn't really do your research because it says pretty blatantly in my LinkedIn profile what roles I'm actually hiring for. And then it just looks a little bit sloppy at that point. But I think it's okay if you know that that recruiter is either on that side of the house or that that recruiter is recruiting for that role. A lot of the time, if you look at the job posting on LinkedIn, it'll say who the recruiter is for it. You can check that out and go through that way. Um, but I, I'm, I'm torn on it because I don't always have time to respond to everybody on LinkedIn. I probably get I mean, between my normal emails and my LinkedIn messages and all of that stuff, it's a lot. It's just a lot. And I feel terrible because there's LinkedIn messages that I never see from, from legit friends of mine, you know, in real life. And they're like, you never got back to me on this thing. And I'm like, where'd you send it? I never saw that. And it's because it came through LinkedIn. Because especially, I think the other thing that people don't realize is that when you're in a people function in-house, there's also salespeople trying to sell you software at all hours of the day. <laughs> I'm sure so, agencies are hitting up your LinkedIn yeah. messages too. And it's agencies, it's uh, SDR selling software, it's candidates, it's random dudes trying to hit on me from a thumbnail that they saw. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole another topic for another day. Y'all got to stop doing that. Please stop. I don't think anyone who listens to the show would do that. Yes. No, they're above (laughs) that. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's so much all the time. And uh, I think that we also, as a society, have this expectation of instant gratification and instant responses. And we've all gotten way too attached to our cell phones and our computers to the extent where it's like, oh, I'm just going to get a response, you know, within within minutes here or ever or what have you. And I think that we all need to walk that back a little bit and understand that just because someone might be more accessible on a surface level doesn't actually mean that they are. Like, just because you figured out my LinkedIn or my email, I still might be getting through, you know, a hundred emails, whatever. Um, so I think you can, I think you absolutely can do proactive outreach. I don't know that it necessarily puts you ahead of the curve if you're not already a good fit, frankly, because I think that that tends to be a lot of the thought process is, well, I know that I'm not a perfect match, but maybe if I make myself known and I would love to say that that's true, but it's just kind of not because most people don't have a ton of time to, to have a whole conversation with you. Um, I think the other thing that actually is really challenging for me that I've been seeing a lot of is candidates who reach out to recruiters and ask to have a conversation, but not about a specific role. They're just interested in your company. So they'll say something like, Hey, Ashlyn, I'm super interested in altruists. Do you have time for a quick chat this week? And honestly, no, I don't. If you're not applying to a specific role, if you don't have a resume in front of me, I'm not, I'm not agency. So I can't just have a quick conversation about where you fit in. Like I need to know what you're looking at. I need to know if you're actually a fit for a role right now, when I'm truly busy, I mean, here I've worked on 16 roles at a time. I'm a little bit slower right now, but 16 roles for one person is a lot. And that's also not considering that I'm working on like processes and projects behind the scenes too. So if I'm already taking probably roughly 40 interviews a week, and on top of that, I have meetings with X amount of hiring managers on a weekly basis. I have my team meetings. I've got all of this other stuff going on. It is really challenging for me to just have a random quick chat about why you think my company is interesting, honestly. You know what? I, 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 it's so interesting to say that because I think the to put that burden on the recruiters to be the ones to have that conversation when there's a whole company of people. And I often, especially early on, before people even start their job search, as part of like my coaching, it's like, figure out what it is you really want, you know, identify what your niche is and figure out like who you want to do that for. And more like proverbial who, like what's their values and things like that. And when you start to stumble upon companies that interest you, well, find people who work within those, you don't have to go to the recruiter, like, like find people who work in those companies or types of companies. So maybe it's a tech, a, a FinTech company somewhere. And wow, I'm noticing that these really cool rules are popping up in these fintech companies. Well, go to someone, reach out to someone who actually has that role, who is an account manager yes. at a company like this and say, hey, I'm interested in transitioning into this type type of role. It would be at a company like Altruist. I would I would love to just kind of hear a little bit more about, about your journey, but, you know, see if, it's a, if it would be a right fit for me along my exploration. And not everyone's going to respond to you. I tell people that all the time, right? Yes. But you will have a handful of people, of good, nice people who look at that and say, wow, my inbox doesn't get flooded by 500 messages. This is the one message I've received in three weeks. Like right. maybe they will talk to that person about what being an account manager is like and get to share my story. Um, people love to talk about themselves, right? Like making yeah. it about them. Like, I, you know, and, and I always tell like my clients, like ask them like what challenges they face and what's been the hardest part. And then really sit with that. Like, is that a challenge I want to have? And so what's interesting is like, we put so much of that on the recruiter, but the recruiter hasn't done that job. Like you're just recruiting for it. Like you're not an account manager. You're not, you know, you're not the, a software engineer. You're not these things. So you can't even necessarily speak to the day in and day out core challenges. Yes. Talk to someone who's in, in, in that role. And that's what I always advise versus going straight to the recruiter with all like all this all this information and, and asking them for their for their time there's also some companies have policies against that from an equity standpoint so there's there's a lot that goes into that too and it's not just you're choosing to not talk to someone there's there's a, a lot of pieces to that puzzle 
And to add on to that a little bit, recruiters' jobs are to sell you on the company at the end of the day. The reason why recruiting is one of the highest paid jobs in HR is because it's a sales position in reality. And we were trained to do it. I can tell you anything I want about our company and the role if I want to close you on that. Someone who's actually in the role is probably going to give you more accurate information. You could hate it here, man. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm going to tell you, you won't. But the random person that you reach out to on LinkedIn, they might tell you the real thing. Like, oh my gosh, my manager is terrible which not here, we have amazing managers and everyone yeah. <laughs> should come work for altruists. But in reality, there's so many situations where I wish I had reached out to someone in the role versus just talking to the recruiter, which in my scenario, obviously it would have been another recruiter yeah. anyway. <laughs> to, get me- to get meta on us for a second. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say one of the most interesting things that I had happened relatively recently, uh, someone reached out to me because they had gotten an offer from an old company of mine. And they were like, you don't work here anymore. You can tell me the real stuff. What do I need to know? And I thought that that was a really interesting tactic if there are recruiters out there that are looking because yeah, they don't work there anymore. They can probably tell you what's up. Granted, I had been gone for long enough that I didn't know the majority of the team at that point. Right. Um, so I can only say so much, but I do think that there's definitely value in that. If reaching out to somebody who's no longer with the company too. Yeah. And I gave, I gave that advice about reaching out to someone who's doing the role at a company, either at a company you'd like to work at or a company like the company you'd like to work at, right? Like kind of just, this is casting your net and just and making sure. And I did it in a talk and someone uh, told me that it sounded scammy. And I'm like, well, if someone reads it as scammy, cool. You don't want to talk to them anyways. Like whatever, <laughs> yeah. there's going to be someone who, whose day is going to be made by you reaching out to them. But it again, shouldn't fall on the recruiter to be the one to be able to, to give you I, I love you talk about it being a sales role, right? Like, and it's not, not even that you're trying to trick people. It's just like, you don't know what you don't know. You can't know every intricacy about these roles. Like, you know, the company culture, you know, why people in general should work there and what would make a, a good culture ad. But at the same time, yes. you can't speak to those, those intricacies and you know those mini cultures that happen within teams. So I, yeah. you know, I think that having that strategy more of like, Sure, you can feel free to message the recruiter. It doesn't sound like it hurts anyone's case in, in your no. situation. It's just that expectation then of you may not hear back from them, but another alternative to that could be reaching out to someone within the organization who, who has a similar role or that role and having a conversation. And maybe that conversation goes really, really well. And they're like, yo, all right, hey, Ashlyn, like, you know, they're emailing you. Maybe that's a way to get it, right? There's there's so many different ways, but I always say go go into it with no with don't expect anything in return like you have to go into it with with it's a fact-finding mission and that's I might get some facts and and I might and I might not and along along that I want to touch on something because I know we don't have a ton of time together but a big thing that comes up in addition to this is applicant tracking systems and there's a lot of stuff out there about applicant tracking systems I was just talking to someone before this and I was like hold hold the tea because I'm going to talk to someone but people are talking about them, talking about how to beat them. Uh, so what is your, yeah, <laughs> well, a lot, a lot of things go. What, what is your perspective on the applicant tracking systems? I'm doing air quotes, beating the system. Talk, yeah. lay, it, lay, it, lay it out there for us. So the majority of companies do not use AI. These TikTokers are lying to you. <laughs> Get off of TikTok. <laughs> stop, stop listening to TikTok. Yeah, so I, I think that there's a lot of things out there that I've seen talking about copy and paste the job description so that you hit all of the keywords when the AI does its search and all of these things. And I've also even gotten messages from people um, oh, I think the ATS must have booted me as soon as I applied. And I'm like, no, that was me. I'm sorry. I didn't even <laughs> <laughs> like, no. I have your AI right here. Yeah. 
and it's um it's such an interesting thing because i no recruiter wants to take responsibility for rejecting every single person that's in the system. But that is the reality for most places. And I haven't worked somewhere entirely massive. I, I definitely know of a couple of companies that do use AI and filter things out based on keywords in that way pretty quickly. Um, but companies that are typically under thousands, yeah, they're not, that's just a person. That's just a person reviewing your resume. If you want to quote unquote beat the system, have a good resume. That's that's your method. Ooh. And mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you know, I, I think the one the one thing people do get wrong that they could do better is please stop uploading anything other than a PDF. Most ATSs cannot read things other than a PDF and some recruiters, not all, some will totally take the time to download your resume and see it in its original formatting, but a lot of them are just going to pass it through because I've got a hundred applications to go through. I don't have time to download these, but if you have a PDF, it'll show up correctly. Yeah. I mean, I, as a hiring manager uh, in my last role, I, I actually personally, I was also the ATS. I, I was the AI, <laughs> right. you know, and, and to your point, yes, like like having it, a lot of people don't know what the inner workings of an ATS actually looks like and like having it on your screen and being able to hit next, next and kind of go through these, right? Like that, you want that speedy process. I and mean, when you do have to stop and download and do all of those things, it does add, add that kind of extra, extra layer of complexity in the process of what's going on. And so I think you bring up something that's so important that no one talks about, which is, we are confusing ATS with AI. Like yes. just because a company has an applicant track, applicant tracking system is just that exactly what it is. It track, it holds them. It's it's a vessel for them. Yes. It's, a, it's a system, but very rarely do companies have the, the bandwidth, the means, the money, right? To implement this artificial intelligence that's able to immediately scan that. And to your point, are there large corporations that probably have that? Absolutely. Cause they have the means to do it, but a lot of organizations don't. And people are like, Oh, well, I got rejected within an hour. I'm like, well, that's a recruiter. Who's probably on top of their shit. Who's in yeah, exactly. the applicant tracking system. Exactly. Who's, who's not seeing you as a fit. So I, I really, I really love that because I think there are so many people who are selling, you know, and, and it's hard because I think, I think there is so much conditioning on make your resume ATS friendly, make your resume ATS friendly, but those of us who I think are career coaches who know that, know this more back end side of it, I'll make it look like it, like it is, you know, and sure in the event where it is a, a system that has AI, it will pass it, but it, it's that human element of it, right? This should be you like, stop trying to, I say this to my clients and to everyone all the time, like stop trying to fit into all of these boxes. I must, my resume must have all of these keywords and be like this and have that and do this and beat the system, beat the system. It's like, no, be the, be a human. Like that's yes. going to beat the system, be human, have a good resume, you know, have it well-written, clear. Yeah. We can see it. Like <laughs> zoom in all of these things, right. That we focus so much on keyword, keyword, buzzword, buzzword, keyword, keyword, that we're forgetting about the part that actually works, which is you, like you're, you're the unique right. one to stay like making it stand out. So I love that, that point that you make yeah. about that. And most, most recruiters are looking at your previous job titles, your length of experience. If it sounds a little bit off, we're going to read the bullet points to see what you actually did. So please make sure it's representative of what you actually did and your success in the role. If there is a metrics driven component to it, love seeing metrics in there, but ultimately keywords, I'm not, I don't know what the keywords that I'm even looking for are in this scenario, right? Everybody wants to talk about, you know, these search terms and stuff. I'm just looking at your resume, dude. I'm not thinking. I'm just reading. I'm just, yeah. I'm just reading. <laughs> yeah. And again, I, I, the reason why I wanted to have you on versus other people is that to, sh to show that like, this is, this is the kind of experience you want, right? Like you want to work for a company that has a real human recruiter. Who's like saying, all right, 
I'm going to read, read this. <laughs> like, you know, right. I'm going to see if it's a fit. I, I've been told what the, what the role needs. I know what the company with a value add to the company would look like. And I'm going to, I'm going to read. And so, you know, I think it's important for people to know again, that you want to work for a company that values that. And, and knowing when you work for a company like yours with a recruiter, like you, that someone is looking the what person who looked at it and said yes to this person, like that they, they actually it wasn't a computer that said yes to you. It wasn't AI that said yes to you. It was a real human who said yes to you too. So there is also the beauty on that side that we don't think about of, oh, the ATS just, you think, oh, the ATS just put me for, uh, declined me, but the recruiter must've liked me. It's like, no, 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 it goes, it goes both ways. Like in this sense, like a recruiter is saying yes to you also, a real human being in the organization. So I think there's something special about, about that too. But I think a lot of people will get a lot of, good feelings about the fact that like, we don't have to worry so much about the AI situation, you know, and like to, to know so. that there's a difference between like beating the ATS and beating AI, like it's two different things. And we should really be talking about that. So the last thing I want to shift gears into and talk about is something that I know is important to both of us. And we both talk very openly about this, but it's DEI and mental health in the workplace. And so I want to think about it more from a candidate perspective, because I would say a lot of my clients who come to me are in that same space um, of that being very important to them, of having that work-life harmony, of having a, a place where it's inclusive and diverse and equitable. So from a candidate perspective, what do you think people should be looking at to ensure that this company will be safe for them? So inclusively safe, emotionally, physically, psychologically, what are some of those like kind of key things candidates can look out for to get a feel for a company's DEI, mental health, and kind of how they prioritize that? I think asking pretty bluntly is, is always important and gauging people's reaction to it. If somebody shies away from it, then you're probably not going to get what you need. I think also paying attention to who your interview panel actually is will ultimately be pretty reflective of your overall experience. And that's not to say that every interviewer is going to be awesome at talking about DEI or talking about mental health and things like that, but you need to trust your gut on the people that you're meeting with and also be interviewing your interviewers as much as they're interviewing you and figuring out, is this a place that adds to my life versus you know just adding to this company? And also, again, going back to reaching out to other people that are at the company, maybe in the same role, maybe in a different role, but somebody who's boots on the ground and not necessarily trying to sell you on the role and getting in touch with them and seeing what it really feels like there. I think that that's also huge. Um, and I think just seeing, you know, what values they're actually presenting out to the world. So most of these tech companies, especially at this point, will have their core values listed somewhere, or you can ask about it in your first interview with a recruiter, ask what are your company's core values and what do they mean to you? And you can typically get a sense from that what those core values actually mean because you might have these, you know, again, buzzwords, things that sound pretty, but when somebody actually describes them, if it's not aligning with you, then the company is probably not going to align with you at the end of the day. And I think that that definitely plays back to DEI. But if you ask a recruiter about DEI and they can't speak to it well, don't, don't go there. Don't, it's probably a bad situation. <laughs> Agreed. Right. Cause it's like at the end of the day, right. We talk about it being a sales role. Like they should be able to, to at least sell that. Right. If it's right. Something, that's, something that's important to the organization, then they will have been, they will have been coached and trained and, and feel that same way and be able to describe it in a way where you feel aligned with it. And so I think to, yeah. back to your point of and that, it's obviously not an organizational priority if they can't speak to it. If the salesperson for the organization, right, for the culture of the organization can't speak to it, I think it's a pretty good sign that it also, doesn't exist. Look at the recruiting team. I mean, just to put it really bluntly, people, for the most part, hire people that are like them unless they are being consciously aware of their own bias and being actively anti-racist or have interesting backgrounds or something like that. But for the most part, if you have a team full of white recruiters, 
they're going to hire other white people based on statistics and psychology and everything else. So if you're not seeing a diverse recruiting team, it's probably not a good sign to be totally honest. And I say this as a white woman, but I think that also asking white recruiters very bluntly about DEI and hearing how they respond to it. If it sounds like, if it sounds like corporations during pride month, it is probably bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's really, I think it's really great advice. And I know again, for a lot of my clients, a lot of people listening to the podcast, like are very like mission driven people that want to do good in this world and really do care about these structures being put in place in the organization that to, to them working, I was just talking about this in my group coaching call last night of like working for an organization that does, does good by its people and good in the world and creates a safe place for people to work and be, and have, you know, be able to express themselves and be authentic and show up every day um, in a place that feels really safe and inclusive, you know, that's not a pipe dream. Like a lot of people, right. we were talking about last night about like, oh, someone's like, oh yeah, that would be, I, that'd be ideal. And like, why is it, why is it not realistic? Like, you know, and so it is, and it does exist out there. And, you know, it's, it's asking those, remembering like what you just said, right. Of you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. So coming with those questions and being okay. I it's all the time. It's okay to walk away. It's okay to not get the answers that you want and say, you know what, this doesn't feel great. I won't be aligned with this and, and walk away from it. So yeah, I really, I really love that. And so to close things out, what would you say would be your number one piece of advice for someone on their job search? Trust your gut, go with grace always, even if you're frustrated, um, be kind to yourself be kind to others and god I said I sound like a commercial <laughs> but, I'll play some cool music behind this I'll, I'll I mean, put I'll put an American flag waving behind you <laughs> it's not an American flag <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> but I think yeah I think really just being easy on yourself being easy on other people understanding that what is right for you will find a way rejections can suck and always suck definitely don't want to minimize that at all but the next one won't be a rejection and when it's right for you you'll feel that be comfortable saying no to a next step you don't need to if you feel off about it if you're not into it you don't need to do that thing and just at the end of the day just trust your intuition trust your gut that's always my best advice in life and, and be gentle with yourself. I love that. You know, when, I think you said when it, when it feels right, like it, it, it probably is. And I was just talking, uh, I had a client who, when he came to me, he had got, just gone on, I think nine interviews with one company, they were trying to schedule him for his 10th and like everyone just kept showing up terribly. And, you know, it, he, he walked away from, uh, he walked away from it. We started working together and I'm like, why are you doing this? This role sucks anyways. You know, (laughs) like, like, why are you doing this? And, um, trying to leave a a toxic work, work organization and, you know, uh, essentially would be trading one, one for the other, but, you know, in being able to, to walk away and really sit with that gut feeling, I think was something that was so important. And, And when he got his new role, the first thing he said to me was like, that was so easy. And I I hear that. I hear that over and over again from my clients who get these, I say they're dream jobs, they're dream companies. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that was so easy. You're like, wow, I talked to that person. It was like, it's like a conversation. And like, that's how, you know, like it should, like you shouldn't be at turmoil within yourself as far as like, do I go? Like, do I take this? Oh, but what if, or well, maybe. And I think that's really, really amazing advice that you have. So um, to wrap everything up, I asked this question to everyone and I will ask it to you is, what is something that you are learning right now? Ooh, what am I learning right now? To give myself more grace. Take and your own advice. Yeah, I need to take my own advice a little bit more. And I think that this is, um, it, it's a conversation that I've been having with most of my team members recently is that we all tend to be pretty, I think our entire team is really tough on themselves. And I'm realizing 
how many years I have spent being so mad at myself for not being perfect in any given way. I mean, it goes back to body image and, and work and relationships and just life in general. And I'm realizing more and more, especially after, after we've been in this pandemic for so long that I am wasting so much time not being absolutely obsessed with myself. And I just, I'm leaning into it. <laughs> I am already heard that. We all need to be absolutely obsessed with ourselves. You know, yes. it's, it's funny you say that because the biggest shift that I see in my clients, it's not so much about, I mean, I give them tactics and we work through and we coach through, but it's like that, that shift in confidence. Um, and it's funny. It's like in the beginning they come to me and it's, you know, it, uh, they come with this like prove it energy. My coach calls it like prove it energy. I've got to prove it, got to do it. It's not enough, you know? And then they leave like, towards the end. They're like, yeah, I just like rolled up that interview. I didn't even prepare. I'm like, all right, let's walk that back. Like one or two. And then the, the, my last cohort, we all joke about it. Like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't prepare for this one or for that one. I'm like, okay, all right. Let's just like, let's take one deep breath here. Cool like a li- cool a, yeah, a little bit of prep. Is, like, we, you know, you should, you should know who you're talking to. Like, yeah. A but, level of effort, a level yeah, of Small, a slight level, but it was funny to joke about that, but I love that. So Ashlyn, you are incredible. You are amazing. You have the best things to say. And I know this is going to help so many people. Where can people connect with you? Not to like roll up in your inbox and like ask for <laughs> jobs, but like to follow you, you have great things that you post and to maybe see what jobs are, are open and available. You know, where can people connect and, and follow you? Yeah. And I'm always happy to help too. Like if anybody has resume questions or anything like that, truly, I am really happy to help. It's, it's one of my great joys and part of the reason I love what I do, but, uh, Ashlyn McIntosh, my full name, you can find me on LinkedIn, Ashlyn Mac on Instagram. I think that's all I have. I'm not very, I'm not good at the technologies and certainly I I can't be on TikTok after talking about it like this for this long. I know we're, we're going to be banned. (laughs) TikTok has officially blocked me after this interview. Um, (laughs) but yeah, Ashlyn McIntosh or Ashlyn Mac, find me, find me, say hi. I'm always happy to chat. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, I mean, the amount of wisdom you dropped on us today was just absolutely incredible. And I know, like I said, it's, I think going to help clarify a lot of things for a lot of people and put some things into perspective. And I know that when things get put into perspective for me, it helps me feel a lot less anxious and a lot you know, yeah. more, more strategic about directions that people can take to, to make themselves a better candidate and have a better own some of the experience themselves, right? It's not all on, on recruiters to own that experience as candidates. You get to own that too. So thank you so much for hopping on. It's been amazing chatting with you and catching up and we got to do it again soon. Yes. Thank you, sir. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If it resonated with you in any way, please let me know by subscribing, liking, and leaving a review. I'd love to hear from you on how you're using these tools as well as what you want to hear more of. So connect with me on LinkedIn at Sarah Canistra, send me a DM or email me at hello at theovernighttrainer.com. I can't wait to hear from you. And until next week, stay learning.